Hello, my name is Stanley Bill. You're listening to Notes from Poland. This week I'm talking to Tomek Bagiński, filmmaker and executive producer of the hit Netflix series The Witcher. We'll be talking about how a production of this size comes together and the Polish inspirations behind the series and his career. Notesfrompoland.com is the leading English language source of news, insight and analysis on Poland. In this podcast, I look at the country from all angles, politics, history, culture and society. You can get more news and the deeper stories about Poland at notesfrompoland.com. This week, I'm in an undisclosed location outside London with Tomek Bagiński, the executive producer of the original Netflix series, The Witcher. Welcome to Notes from Poland, Tomek. Hello, and yeah, thank you for inviting me. I want to start by asking you what you do as an executive producer. What's your day-to-day activity? What areas are your responsibility? So executive producer on the TV show is a person responsible for keeping the general vision of the show because usually episodes are directed by different directors. Uh, Directors come and go and uh, somebody has to make sure that the full season and the all-story arcs and all the stories kept intact. And those people are usually executive producers. Um, the most important executive producer on the show is a showrunner. In our case, it's Lauren Hisrich. And I'm basically her sergeant, you can say. If she's a leader and she's a general, I'm her sergeant and I'm making sure that her vision is maintained through the season. So what does that mean in practice on the set? What sorts of things would you be doing on a day when filming's going on, the actors are all there, the cameras are running? How is your interaction with the director, for example, uh, the editors? What kinds of processes would you control or oversee and how would you be doing that? So all the like big decisions, all the strategic decisions are made by executive producers, but it's also like the group open for the dialogue and... Of course, our directors have a lot to say on set, and usually you can you can say that directors are holding like tactical leadership of the operation. So all the like scene-based decisions are made by directors, uh, of course, in uh, conversation with us. But uh, like the biggest decisions, the the vision of the world, how the world is being built, all the like uh, uh, quite a lot of aesthetic decisions are made by executive producers. And of course, we also oversee the set during the shooting days to make sure that what we need in the cutting room later, months after the shoot, is all covered. Because sometimes even very, very good directors sometimes forget about the important part of the story, important shot, which is needed to actually tell the story. So it's like another layer of, of, of like checking if we have everything to, to tell the story we want to tell. As far as I can see, the response has been very positive to The Witcher so far. Uh, in the first month, 75 million people watched this series. Uh, the reviews have been more mixed. Maybe we can come back to that. Uh, but are you surprised by this scale of response? Is Netflix surprised? And what aspects are you particularly proud of and happy with in the way that the first season of this series worked out? I was not that surprised about the success because we seen the episodes earlier and we knew that it's a good show. Uh, we were hoping for the scale we, we have. But of course, you you never have a guarantee. So there was a little bit of uh, anxiety connected with it, but not that much, not not really. What I'm proud of the most 
I think is that we were able to capture something which was very, very important for me, which is like like a soul of the show or tone of the show properly. This this was something we were trying to get, and it's not an easy tone because Witcher is a very, very specific story. Yes, it's like high fantasy, fantasy with monsters and um, and demons and spells and all this stuff which is connected with the high fantasy. And usually, this type of books are written in a very, very serious way. They are super serious. The world is dark and gritty and everybody dies in the end and it's like super, super grim. But Andrew Sapkowski wrote something else. It is a dark world and a lot of people die and, and there is a lot of political shenanigans or all, all the things which are connected with, with the normal fantasy. But it's, it's also really light at moments and very, very funny. And this mix of really emotional drama and like pure comedy, sometimes it's like a, like a pure fart comedy in, at moments in, in the original books. That's a very unique thing, and it's also very, very difficult to achieve on screen. So uh, we probably failed sometimes, of course. It's a first season, so we did some mistakes. But at the same time, we were able to keep this tone and nail the tone in some moments, in some episodes. And because the tone is so special and so unique and very, very difficult, I'm really, really glad that we were able to do it. Because from now on, we know what we have. Every director who is coming to the table know what we have. Every actor who is coming to the table know what the tone of the show is. And it's much, much easier now when we are working on the second season to make sure that this will be there. You must feel really that you have this platform now to work in the second season, that you've established this popular success. And as you say, you've established this tone. And now there are a lot of directions, presumably, in which you can go. Um, you mentioned some mistakes. Obviously, although the response from viewers was extremely positive, the critical response was mixed. As you know, some were very enthusiastic. Others were more critical uh, of the general coherence of the series. Um, what were the aspects that you think you might have wanted to do better and things that you want to change perhaps for the second season, perhaps learning from things that didn't quite go right in the first season? Uh, I won't share uh, most of it because let it stay a secret for our creative team and, and our it, it, they are our mistakes and we own them and it's, it's <laughs> in our hearts and we know what, what, what to do. Um, but I think what, what, it's important to remember then, like when you do the first season, usually it's also a discovery for the creative team. It's also a path of discovery. We have to really... Every actor who comes to the show, every department which comes to the show, they don't really know what to do. And we kind of know what to do, but at the same time, it has to be checked with reality. Because we are not working just with letters and paper. It, it all has to be translated into the real world. Those swords have to be made, those costumes have to be made in the real materials in a very, very short period of time. Uh, those choreographies have to be prepared in a very short period of time and everything has to be trained. And uh, uh, like during this transition from paper to screen, there is enormous work of hundreds of people who have to do it. And during this transition, especially when you do it for the first time, of course you make mistakes because some of the things you wrote, some of the things which are on paper, don't translate one-to-one -to, -one to the things on screen. And what we have now is that because we did the first season and it's a fairly big success, we know when it worked. And also some of the critique was fair. Some of the critique was the things we also knew that we have to fix for the second season. It's just easier because now we have the base, we have 
all the lessons we learned during the, especially beginning of the first season, the first two months are always like a, that's a very interesting time during the production of the show because everybody has to, You found it difficult? I mean, everybody has to learn everything, right? So, so, so it's a difficult time. Uh, now it's, now we have this lesson behind us. So now I think the first weeks of production are already as fast, as easy in a way as focused on the creative stuff as the last weeks of production were, were last year. So, so we just picked it up and it's, it's great. It will be a challenging season, that's for sure. But the challenges will be more, I think, focused in a better places. That's, that's what I can say, probably. To what extent is The Witcher a Polish program? Uh, the Witcher is obviously this extraordinary Polish cultural phenomenon, the book series, uh, of the, mostly the 1990s, and then the, the game series, which is particularly popular. Um, to what extent is your television series a product of Polish culture, and how do you perceive it? Well, the original was written by Andrzej Sapkowski. That's all we need to know. And it's deeply rooted in Polish culture. But at the same time, one of the reasons we were so happy with Lauren and her vision of the show is that she's bringing a slightly more wider perspective. She's bringing very international American perspective. And what I think is very important with our show is the fact that it resonates not only in Poland, it resonates in all over the world, in every possible country. So I think it was a very, very good decision. So... Yes, it is based on the Polish cultural phenomena and it's uh, it's still very Polish in its soul, in its humor, in its tone, but at the same time it's not only Polish, not anymore. Can I ask you more generally about the challenges as a Polish filmmaker and you have this background of award-winning animated films and you're now you have experience as a director you have experience as a producer you have experience as a writer you travel between the united states and europe you're working on different projects simultaneously and you're also i know somebody for whom your home is important and polish culture is important um you've made some products that have a kind of patriotic flavor to them even or the history of poland that you made and i'm wondering how you negotiate this question of the relationship between your native culture between Polish culture and global culture and dominated particularly by the United States. Do you find this a challenge? Is it something that uh, you think about? Is it something that is significant to you in the projects you uh, choose and how you frame them uh, to others? I don't think about it that much. Uh, I think Poland will be always in my veins, in my blood. It will be always there and there is no reason to deny it. it it's like, why? It's it's a great source of inspiration. It's a great source of stories. It's a great source of, of again, I, I'm coming back to it, but I think it's actually quite important. It's a great source of humor also, because Polish people actually have sense of humor. It's yeah. weird and twisted and quite original. It's a, it's In a way, it's a product. I see it like something very, very valuable. You're trying to get this into the Witcher series in a way? You see that this humor that you talked about, the vein of humor? Of course, of course. That's, that's something which I think is very, very important. And I'm glad that Henry Cavill, who plays Geralt, also understands that. that it's, he, he don't really smile that much, but it's, he really understands where the scene should end in terms of the tone. And it's not always like humor, like 
it's not Benny Hill type of humor. Yeah. humor. Let's be honest. It's very, very different. Specific. You think Henry Cavill understands Polish humor in a way? I'm, pre- I'm sure. Both, uh, all, all our cast is, is great on it. And, and Henry, uh, Joey, uh, they are great in, in terms of understanding this. So, uh, but going back to the answer, I think, uh, I don't really think about being Polish every day. Uh, there is some obvious limitations coming from it because, uh, of course, English is not my first language. So uh, there is some, some uh, things which are which make my uh, path a little bit more difficult probably than for some people who are born here or in the United States. But at the same time, I also don't deny that I'm Polish and I'm born in the culture uh, and I'm bringing certain uh, elements of the culture in my work because it's natural, it's it's fun. It's it's like a big you know, sandbox with, with toys which I can play with with stories, with themes, with, again, humor, with characters and things like that. It's it's, a, it's an amazing thing because not much of it is translated. Speaking of which, uh, Sapkowski, the, the phenomenon of Sapkowski, I'd like to ask you a little bit about the influence of reading the, the Witcher books. Uh, in, in the 1990s, uh, when you were quite young and a whole generation of Poles uh, sort of grew up reading these or people who were an interest in a particular kind of literature, it's also interesting to me that these books... I, mean, I think the first stories came out at the very end of the 80s, as far as I know, but most of them were published in the 90s in this transition period in Poland, so sort of in the period after 1989. And I, I'm wondering whether that political background um, has any relevance to the stories themselves and the way people read the stories, the period that you recall um, coming into contact with Sapkowski. What can you tell us about it? I don't remember that much, to be honest, but but it's it, it was an interesting period, not only because of the history and things which were happening around, but even from like purely cultural and, and publishers' perspective. Nobody wanted to publish Polish writers. That's something nobody remembers now, but Andrzej Sapkowski, nobody wanted to publish him. He had a couple of very successful short stories in, in, a, in this fantasy and science fiction magazine, uh, which was like big part of mine, but also other people's past. Uh, but like in terms of like a proper publishers' books, nobody wanted to publish Polish author because in the 90s, when the market opened, basically everything, 100% of, of the stuff which was sold in bookstores were translations of American authors who were for the first time translated and published in Poland because it was all blocked. It was like, like the whole world of literature. Uh, a lot of genre, which was just blocked for for many many years d- during the communist era, only a small part part of of this world was translated and published in 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 Poland, and it was also kind of you know sexy. It was like okay, this West, uh, sto- the stories from the West, stories in uh, written by American mostly American writers, were like the glimpse of the different world. So people were buying it and people were uh, were loving it. And when Andrew wanted to publish his first um, a set of short stories, nobody wanted it. And it was, I think, Supernova, which took the risk and they published him for the first time. And then they started to publish other Polish uh, science fiction writers. And it proven to be successful. It opened the, the market again for Polish writers. So, so Sapkowski was also important from this side, that uh, in, in a way he restarted, uh, the, the, it was again fashionable and it was again like in good taste 
to read Polish authors. In in of course in 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 terms of the genre books, not not in terms of uh, you know art house stuff which nobody reads anyway. You talked a little bit about this kind of self-reflexivity, uh, the the humor of the Sapkowski books that they're very self-conscious. In a way, there's almost a postmodern elements there, which again sort of date them to that period of the 1990s. And there's certainly there are some sort of meta moments uh, in the series, particularly with Yaskier, where he sort of seems to be commenting on what he's doing as if he's outside the action. But I'm wondering about the level of the language and the dialogues, because that's something that, of course, some of Polish fans of Sapkowski in particular complain about with the series, that it's impossible to sort of put uh, the play of language that's in Sapkowski into the series. Is that just a question of it being untranslatable into English, or are there other reasons that that was not possible? Was that something that you worried about? Uh, there is a couple of things connected with the with the language of Andrew Sapkowski, and to some level, I do think it's untranslatable. To some level, I I, I think uh, that English translation of the books and, and they are very very good. There is no problem with it, but it's I I think not really possible to translate Andrew Sapkowski precisely into English because there is a lot of uh, wordplay. There is a lot of uh, play with not even accents, but with this style of the of of of, of characters with the way they speak. Uh, you, you read Sapkowski book and you know instantly which character comes from which background, mostly in terms of class um, or race, but not in terms of the place, right? It's 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 much more mixed. It's quite quite difficult uh, language to translate, and I'm pretty sure you, you know it by yourself. And uh, translating into a TV show and into the screenplay, into the material for for the screen, is is very also a very very different job, and it also brings its own sets of challenges and even if Andrew Sapkowski would be translated perfectly we would still couldn't use the lines from the uh, from the books uh, too often because it's a very very good literature but there is few things which Sapkowski is using very very successfully on paper uh, like constant repetitions for example or like three timers I, I, I'm calling it like like when we say something three times in one sentence uh, which don't really work very well on screen, not really. And it's beautiful when you read it. It's not that strong and that effective um, when when you have it on screen, especially when you have it like fifteen times or twenty times or, or thirty times. It's just slightly different language, and and we have to get used to it. So so some of the best lines of Andrew, which re- were really absolutely amazing on paper. They don't translate that ideally to screen because it's just a different language, a different medium, and and people are expecting different stuff. One thing I found very interesting about the series was what you did with the time frames. It seemed like quite a a brave decision, actually, for a starting series in, in, in its first season that you did not use a linear time frame, that you have different times in parallel in a way that's not immediately apparent to the viewer, that becomes clearer, I think, in an interesting way over the course of the season. Uh, but the boldness of it struck me, and I'm wondering why you decided to take that decision and whether that's going to continue in the second series. So it was Lauren Hisri's decision and her idea, her vision for the whole season. 
and uh, she pitched it to us very early in the process it was like one of the first like big ideas to how to tell the story and and we all producers we just bought it instantly we we instantly knew that it's a little bit risky maybe but at the same time it's refreshing it's it's something new it's something which can make this show uh, stand out among other shows and i think it was a great decision and and lauren did an absolutely amazing job making it happen because it was not easy it was something which was difficult on every level not only on the production level but also like we were for example discussing for a long time uh, should we make it clearer or should we keep it as a puzzle and we decided to keep it as a puzzle but it was always a, you know it, it was always a, a, a risk involved will enough people understand what is our game will, will enough people will understand how we structured the show but lauren always believed that audience is smart enough to understand it and it's absolutely and i totally agree it's it's a great thing in the show it makes it original and it kind of fits our time also in in a weird way it was bold idea but also the audience is already prepared for this type of non-linear storytelling because most of the stuff we are watching in the internet is not linear uh, it's, it's there are short clips of different stories trailers whatever there is a lot of stuff around us and our brains are already pre- prepared for it and by the way Jacek Duque wrote about it in his last book which is about the end of literature basically and i was hesitant but i kind of agree that this is the new language that maybe continuity is not the most important thing in the world if you can uh, really nail the emotions and i think what we did right was emotional side of the show because we made some likable characters and we built some credible and strong emotions in the show and it worked can you tell us a little about the aesthetic of the show, the visual uh, appearance, and, and what your intention was? What, what were you aiming for? How would you want the show to look? And what was the rationale behind that? Oh, it's a, such a big thing to talk about. Um, so production designer was Andrew Lowe's, and uh, there are thousands, I mean it, like thousands of decisions you, we, we have to make and Andrew has to make, and Lauren has to make. One of the important things in our show was that we want to give the audience slightly different language than uh, the visual language which was done in the games. And it's not because the games were not not great, because they were absolutely amazing, and they know the guys, and and the the thing they did with the game, uh, with the, especially Witcher Three, it's it's a stellar piece of work, and there there is no doubts about it. But we also knew that for TV show, we want to have slightly different type of universe, slightly different visual background for many reasons. Uh, and some things which work in the games don't work on screen and vice versa. Uh, and it was also a learning process and it was also a discovery. And we have a very, very uh, good uh, production designer, Andrew Lowe's who almost every day had to make hundreds of decisions uh, how the world will look like. Uh, how these people, what, what the people have, what, wh- how how the buildings look like, and of course we were also limited by real world, which is normal when you shoot uh, a TV show. So we went sometimes sideways, sometimes we it was not as consistent maybe I, as we would love to have. Uh, this is what I like about work we have in the second season already is that we now 
know what worked and what didn't work in the first season so our path and our visual decisions are much more consistent did you want something that would seem gritty and very real or did you want something that would have a more fantastical magical feel to it it feels to me sometimes that there's a bit of both uh, in a way that's sometimes not quite consistent even um, between different episodes or is that something you, you thought about it was there an overall view of that kind of balance the thing with visual language for the show like Witcher is that it's kind of both that's the thing that that you, you don't want to be just gritty because then you're just repeating stuff which was done before and you don't want to be too fantastical and too, too fairy tale-ish because you are not doing the show for children. So you have to be somewhere in between. And and as with tone, as with humor, uh, it's a very, very difficult balance to achieve. So, so yeah, we went off balance in few places in the first season. We know it. I think that we, we are correcting it very, very nicely for the second season and, and work which Andrew is doing is absolutely stellar. So uh, I think, yeah, but, but the thing with the show is it's not just gritty fantasy show. It's Witcher. Witcher is kind of special and it has quite special visual aesthetics. So uh, there is some episodes, there is some moments in the show I, I really love from visual per- perspective, but I don't want to like reveal all the, the things and, and, and say, okay, I hate this, I love that, because it doesn't make sense. The first season is done. Um, and my approach when, when, and it's my approach on everything I ever did, is that once it's finished, it's no longer mine. Now it's the viewer to make the decision what he likes, what he doesn't like, and where, where we made mistakes, when, when we did good things. It's the viewer... Uh, who is an owner now of the show. And we are doing the second season. This is where we are now uh, flexing my our creative muscles. But the second season will be also given to the viewers once it will premiere. And again, it will be no longer ours. How do you find your interaction with actors? Uh, or what's the role that you have as an executive producer? Um, but particularly when you obviously have very specific ideas on who the Witcher is, that's crucial, I think, your vision to this series. How do you work with actors? Do you enjoy doing it? How do you find as a, do you, you, you get the best out of actors? So like base staging uh, decisions are always made by director. So it's important to understand that my role, Lauren's role, is to, to help the director to, to lead the actors towards the characters which were written on pages. So on this show, we had such a great cast that it was just a pleasure to watch it. And, and it was a pleasure to watch how the characters were also changing. Um, especially in the first like six weeks of shoot where everybody's learning the characters everybody's learning the the body language of the characters and and things like that and uh, we had some great discoveries because the thing which were were done by Anya in this show were absolutely stellar I was surprised almost every day on set what a talent she is what what she's able to do and and it's just she's such a great actress and she's a star and what Henry did with his discovery of Geralt, his understanding of Geralt, because he's also a huge fan of the original books and, and he's a fan of the game, was in some ways even more 
surprising it's a, it's a bad word but it's it's maybe wrong way of, of putting it but it was uh there was this day after we had a, like a uh, holiday hiatus in 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 december when uh, everybody left for christmas and the first day after this break when henry returned and, and suddenly he had slightly different voice and slightly different approach to the character because he had time to to really rethink how the character should should look like and it was subtle change very small change but at the same time we knew oh this is our girl and he will now stay there and and this is the work which was done by an actor it was not suggested by the uh, outer world because let's re- remember with the actors of of that class the actors we have on the show uh it's not always director's work to tell them what to do it's their work their job their brains which are the most important and they become those characters so we had a lot of a lot of those discoveries with our cast and i'm a huge fan of our cast my role on set is just to make sure that we are i'm kind of a script protector so lauren's story is always the most important and uh, i have to make sure that this story is being told on screen Finally, are you going to do any directing? You did some second unit directing in the first series. Is it possible to find the time to do that with the responsibilities that you have as an executive producer? Is it something that uh, you're interested in, in, in going back to doing more directing work in general in The Witcher or beyond The Witcher? Is that part of your ambition in the coming years? I was always a director first and yes I I did some some second unit on the first season but for sure for second season I will just stay as a executive producer because th- this is just a lot of work and there is no time for me to actually focus just on two episodes for three months and just do do, do this there is a lot of lot of other responsibilities which I have to uh, keep in my head and also in television which is much more co- collaborative process it's slightly different than people think when they think about directing producing and writing it's kind of all mixed there is a group of people uh, very very talented people especially in our situation w- which uh, makes all, all the decisions and we are just in constant contact we are talking to each other we are communicating all the time we are fighting for the best possible show and this is not the job which can be done by one person so so there is no like one god director who is making all the decisions yes uh, when there is a conflict lauren is making the, the final call but lauren is extremely collaborative person and and she's giving the rest of the team a lot of freedom and we can have a lot of great uh, new ideas and it's television it's not you know movie shot in the 80s when director was a god it's very very different process can you give uh, the fans of the show uh, any hint of what type of thing they can look forward to in the second series what might be new what might surprise people what kind of directions can you give away obviously not too much but tell us what you can so so this answer is very short no i can't <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, we are we we want people to be surprised uh, and we don't want to reveal everything and and of course with the we are so much in the eye of the public that probably some some things will leak but i don't want to be the, this person who will leak stuff so no fair enough you've been a very <laughs> generous interviewee so we'll let you finish with a no tomik baginski thank you very much for joining us at notes from poland thank you and see you next time 
number of people working here at the well let's cut that out then I said here didn't I okay let, let <laughs> I've already given away where we are um Through this question, uh, 